good morning, everybody. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. In just a moment, we'll read verses 7 through 10. We're beginning a new series this morning where for the next two weeks, we're talking about how to live a life of gratitude, how to live a life of joy. And so whether you're here in the room or watching online, I am thrilled that you are with us. If you're new, my name's Will. I'm the senior pastor here, and we're just delighted that you've taken time out of your Sunday to be here with us. Before I jump into the sermon this morning, I just want to take a moment. Uh, it's Veterans Day weekend, and uh, we, I, I've seen parades going on at schools, and then yesterday there were some events happening. But just here in this space this morning, I want to take a moment and recognize the veterans who are present here in the room uh, who are watching online. We just want to uh, take a moment at the beginning of our time together and express our gratitude to you. Because in this, in this season, right, as you look around, at what's happening in the world. And we see such volatility everywhere. It is a stark reminder that we are able to live with peace and with joy and with freedom because of people who are willing to serve and honor this country. And so for all of you veterans who are here in the room and watching online, let's just take a second, y'all, and say thank you to them this morning. Yeah, thank you. All right, I want to jump in by reading these words of Jesus from John chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, great. If not, don't worry. The words are on the screen, and I'll read to us. Jesus begins. He, said, he spoke to them again. I'm telling you the solemn truth, he said. I'm the gate of the sheep. And all the people who came before me were thieves and brigands, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I'm the gate. If anyone comes in by me, they will be safe and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they could have life, yes, and have it full to overflowing. Two weeks ago, I went to Lowe's because I had to buy some air filters, right? I had to buy some air filters for my house because being an adult requires you to do things like change air filters. And so I got to go to Lowe's on a Saturday afternoon, which is what you do. And y'all, I parked in the parking lot, got out of the car, and the place was jam-packed. And I walk into Lowe's and I look over to my right two weeks ago, two weeks ago. And what did I see? Christmas stuff. Not just a little bit of Christmas stuff, but I'm talking about 50 trees that were lit up and shining bright. I saw 20-foot blow-up Santa Clauses, and the only thing I could think was like, I cannot bring my kids here because they will want to buy everything. Already, already, two weeks, two weeks, maybe it's Halloween yet, I can't even remember, and we are already talking about Christmas. A friend of mine was telling me they went into Kohl's the other day. They went into Kohl's and they found that all of the Thanksgiving stuff was already. Already started. Y'all, this is insanity. And I want to make a claim this morning. I think you would all agree with me. And here's what it is that we as a culture, we as a culture, we have done something terrible. We've done something wrong. And here's what it is. We have made the move from Halloween directly into Christmas. We've made them. How many of y'all have already decorated your house for Christmas? Anybody? No shame. No shame in that. Okay. Look, we start, I'll be full transparency. We started yesterday too. Okay. And if that's you, it is okay. But what I want us to know this morning is that in this move from Halloween to Christmas, in this move to jump to what it, for, for retail sales, it's a big commercial holiday. We've lost something. 
We've lost the art of thanksgiving. We've lost the art. Y'all, Thanksgiving, one of the most important holidays in the United States, in our country. It's a, it's a moment, the fourth Thursday in November, where we pause for just a minute and we give thanks for all of the blessings and all of the good things that we have in our lives. And when we make that move from Halloween to Christmas, we lose Thanksgiving. And in the Dyer house, we are not content with just one day of Thanksgiving. But what we have is we have the Thanksgiving turkey. I wish I had brought a picture of it this morning, but I forgot to take one. The Thanksgiving turkey, it sits on our, uh, our, our island in the kitchen. And it is a turkey that has no feathers on the back. And, and the feathers, what you do is every single day we wake up and our girls write something on a feather that says what they are thankful for. And they put it on the turkey tail. And at the end of the month, we have a full slate of thanksgiving. Y'all, we do that because it's important. And yes, Thanksgiving is a cultural holiday. But, but in my house, in the Dyer house, there's another, I think, more important reason why we give thanks. Because as a people of faith, as a people of faith, we are called to live our lives with thanksgiving. That's one of the things that I love most about following Jesus. When people talk to me and they say, well, how did you become a Christian? Why did you become a Christian? Because I didn't start following Jesus until I was 20 years old. And the reason that I give to them for why, honestly, why I came to faith and devoted myself to the way of Jesus Christ. Here's what it is, y'all. Ultimately, this is it. Jesus tells his people to be a people of joy. Jesus tells his people to be a people that are filled continually and always with thanksgiving. That is the sort of life that we are called to live, not just on the fourth Thursday in November, but with every single day of our lives. We are called to live with joy. When you read scripture, when you go throughout the stories of our faith, right, it is present all across it. In the book of Psalms, which is the prayer book and the song book of ancient Israel, there are 150 Psalms and over half of them include references to joy and to celebration and to living a life that is filled with goodness and hope. Psalm 1611, right? It says that there is joy in the presence of God. When you enter into his presence, which you can every single day of your life, you are able to find joy. We're called to be people of joy. Paul, think about Paul. Paul, one of the earliest followers of Jesus. He writes a letter to the church at Philippi. And we're going to get into this more in a couple of weeks, but he's writing this letter to a church and he is in prison, not knowing if he's going to live another day. And yet he is able to say in Philippians chapter four, rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice that as followers of Jesus, y'all, what we are called to do is live in a way that is countercultural, to live in a way that is radical, to live in a way that is ultimately filled with goodness and with hope, with thanksgiving and with joy. The Psalms talk about it. Paul talks about it. But ultimately, the reason why I am committed to living a life of joy and why I hope each and every one of us is committed to living a life of joy is because of Jesus because of Jesus. And, and, I, and I trust Jesus. I don't know about you, 
But I want to trust Jesus, that if he says something, we can count on it to be true. Don't ever forget that wonderful quote from Dallas Willard where he says, if you have to, he if you have to hesitate before saying Jesus is smart, it makes very little difference if you can say Jesus is Lord, right? That Jesus has the best information for us, not only on eternity, but on how we are called to live our lives each and every day. And we can trust that what Jesus says is true. And I want to see the world, I don't know about you, but I want to see the world in the same way that Jesus saw the world. That he was able to look out at the birds of the sky, to look out at the goodness of God's creation, to look in the face of another human being and see that it was all soaked and permeated with the goodness of God, right? Jesus was able to live a life that radiated goodness and joy and possibility. Every single town that Jesus walked into, people flocked to him, not because he was an ogre or some sort of grouch, but people flocked to him because you wanted to be around him. He was the life of the party. He was the dude that everybody wanted to be in his presence. I trust what Jesus says about life is true. And I wanna invite you this morning, if you've walked away from faith, because of maybe an experience you've had with other Christians. I want to invite you not, not to worry about what other Christians have done, but I want you to focus yourself on what Jesus says. Because if what Jesus says is true, then we are invited to live a life that is good and rich and full. I read to you just a moment ago from John chapter 10. And what happens in John chapter 10 is most of us, we get caught up on this language about Jesus as the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for his sheep, the one who guides them and walks with them. And I love that imagery. The first Bible I ever had, my uncle Steve gave it to me when I was in the first grade and it had Jesus as a shepherd on the front cover of it. And he was holding a lamb and there were little kids all around him. Any of y'all have Bibles like that when you were growing up, right? I actually still have that Bible. I should preach from it every once in a while, right? It's good. I love that imagery of Jesus as the good shepherd. But, but what gets lost in that reading from John chapter 10 in the language of the good shepherd, what gets lost is to me, what is the most profound and provocative statement that Jesus gives to us? Don't, Y'all don't lose track of this. Here's what he says. I'm the good shepherd and I came I came onto the earth. I came here so that they, meaning you, could have life. Yes, and have that life full to overflowing. Jesus came, other translations say, so that you could have life to the fullest, so that you could have abundant life. But what I love is that translation that we just read from, that you could have life full to overflowing. And I know this shouldn't be revolutionary. This shouldn't actually be that uh, a compelling a thing to hear. But for so many Christians, for so many Christians, the way we have been taught to think about faith, the way we've been taught to think about religion is that it is all about a decision you make now so that you can ultimately go to heaven when you die. And yes, that is part of the equation. But don't you ever forget that at the heart of Jesus' teaching, he cares about today. He cares about tomorrow. He cares about every single instance of your life. And he wants you to know that when you walk in his path, 
a long obedience in the same direction. It is not something to be suffered through, looking for a reward on the other side of eternity. But when you follow Jesus, what he says is that you are invited into the way of thanksgiving. You are invited into the way of joy that when you follow Jesus right here and right now, listen to me, you are able to have life, abundant life that is full and it is overflowing. If I could just sum it up in one sentence, you can have joy. And so that's what I want us to talk about over the course of the next few weeks together is how Jesus invites us to walk in his way, a way that is countercultural a way that is different from the dominant ethos of our consumeristic world, but ultimately it is a way that leads to joy. And what kind of joy is Jesus inviting us to? I want to get real practical for just a few minutes. If Jesus invites us to full and abundant life, if Jesus invites us to joy, then what does that joy look like? In, in very practical terms, what does that joy look like? And, and what I want us to know this morning is that the joy that Jesus invites us to, the life that Jesus invites us to, it consists in two distinct parts. Here's what it is. That you can have joy that is caused by your circumstance. And I want to sit on this for just a few minutes. You, you can first and foremost, Jesus says, the joy he offers to you is in part given and it is caused by your circumstance, right? Far too many people think that Christians have to live lives of glumness and gloom, just waiting to get on the other side. But please hear me, y'all. Jesus invites you to celebrate. Jesus invites you to enter into festivities with a sense that it is going to be a rollicking, rip-roaring good time, right? Don't ever forget, Jesus is the one who goes to the wedding at Cana of Galilee. And just when everybody thinks the party is over because they're out of wine and they're running out of food, and Jesus says, yo, hold up, we are just getting started. Jesus says the joy that he offers to you, it is caused by your circumstances, right? He wants us to see that this life is a beautiful and a good gift. When, when you go and you have a meal with your friends, when you go and you sit across the table with your family that you are deeply connected to, the goal of our faith is to be able to look at that setting and to give thanks to God because it is good and it is true and it is right. When you go to a wedding and you see a beautiful consecration of two people becoming one, it's a joy caused by our circumstance. When you see a child being brought into the world, it's a joy being caused by your circumstance. When you score that goal that you've been waiting for, that is a joy that is caused by your circumstance. And Jesus invites us to celebrate that as part of our existence. It's good and it's true and it's right. But there's a second part of joy. There's a second part of joy and abundant life that Jesus invites us to. And I think it's that second part that ultimately separates us from the world and the culture that is around us. Because yes, joy and abundant life is caused by our circumstances. But if we take Jesus seriously, what he wants us to understand is that his joy and the abundance of his life is larger than our circumstances that his joy is actually larger than our circumstances. What I want us to know, right? There's a difference between happiness, which is kind of what the first thing is, and deep-seated joy, which is ultimately, y'all, what Jesus offers. 
The joy of Christ is larger than our circumstances. And here's what I mean by that. If Jesus is telling us the truth, if Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins, if he died on the cross and he was resurrected on the third day, if Jesus defeated death and is currently seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all of creation, if that is true, then we have nothing to be afraid of. If Jesus did what he said he was going to do, and if he did what 2,000 years of tradition proclaims he did and is still doing, then friends, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we can fear no evil because our joy is not dependent on circumstances. You can receive a diagnosis that you never imagined possible. And yet when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know that no matter how that diagnosis ultimately presents itself in your life, that it does not rob you of his victory over death. You can lose your job and wonder how in the world Am I going to take that next step in faith? But if Jesus Christ is alive, then friends, he is with us and for us. And even if we can't see it, he is leading into the future that is better, Paul says, than anything we could ask or imagine. See, the abundance of life that Jesus offers to us, yes, at one level, it is caused by our circumstance. But if we hear him at the full extent of what he is offering to us, the joy and the life and the thrilling nature of this faith that we can live with today, it is larger. And it is with us in the moments where we need it the most. See, Jesus offers us that kind of abundant life. And I know, God knows, I want it. I need it now more than ever. I was thinking this week, y'all, on Thursday, it'll be 19 years since my dad died. And I was thinking back over those years, and I will never forget it. I got the phone call that my dad was dead, and I had to go identify his body in the hospital. And I went to the hospital, and I stood over his corpse, and instead of feeling fear, I felt gratitude. How, Will? How can you feel gratitude when a 49-year-old man died? because I have joy in Jesus, because I know that this death is not the end of his story. See, y'all, that's the sort of joy that Jesus invites us to, and it is available to each and every one of us right here and right now. And I cannot help but wonder, I cannot help but wonder, and it really this is a question I want to kind of uh, uh, wrestle with with you this morning. And here's what I want to think about for a moment. When you think about Christians, when you think about people who claim to walk the way of Jesus, here's the question I want to ask. Do, does joy come to mind? Does joy come to mind when you think about following Jesus? Seriously. I want you to think about someone you know who is a Christian. Think about the majority of people you know who are Christians. Do you think about abundant and radiant life when you consider them? Seriously. Gabe Lyons wrote a book a few years ago. It's about a decade old now. It's called Unchristian. And in that book, he talks to people who have walked away from faith or, or people who are uh, not Christian and haven't ever been Christian. And he asked them a simple question. What word comes to mind when you think of Christian? And according to Jesus, the word should be joy. 
But what we found in this book from Gabe is that when people hear the word Christian, the first word that comes to mind, 86% of people, judgmental. 84% of people, hypocritical. 82% of people. What word comes to mind when you hear the word Christian? Too political. Angry. Y'all, it is time that we flip the script on the narrative that people think of when they hear the word Christian because if we are going to hear Jesus and take him at his word because he is telling us the truth, we are invited to leave those categories behind. And I'm talking to all of us, y'all. We are invited to leave those categories behind and embrace the joy of today. Do you know that Jesus offers you joy do you know that he offers you purpose that transcends the categories that we live into? Y'all, listen, you got to be careful. Jesus is offering you joy. But if you, if you listen to what I was reading, in John chapter 10, what he says is you got to be careful because there are thieves and there are brigands who want to steal your joy. There are thieves and there are brigands and they are calling your name, but don't listen to them. If I, can, if I can translate what Jesus is saying into 2023, here's what he's saying. There are counterfeit visions of joy. There are counterfeit visions of the abundant life that is being offered to each and every one of us. And you better pay attention because they are calling out your name. Those counterfeit visions are calling out your name through a social media post that says, if you take this vacation, then you will feel good about yourself. It's through the television show that says, if you can date the right person, then all of your dreams can be fulfilled. See, there are plenty of counterfeit visions of the abundant life that are calling out your name. And Jesus says, don't listen to those visions. Don't listen to those voices because in our culture, as we are approaching the Christmas season, where consumerism and materialism runs on a scale that is unparalleled, that sort of nonsense is offering you a counterfeit vision of the abundant life. And it is telling you, if you will buy this, if you will consume this, if you will go and do these things, then you'll be happy. And what Jesus says is that don't forget there's a difference between happiness and joy and the materialism of our age, friends. It is telling you a lie. It is whispering that you can find joy, but you know that it's not true. And there's this beautiful quote that I love from Jonathan Sachs. One day I'm just going to make it my own quote. And here's what he says. When we hear that vision of an alternative joy that we know isn't true, we spend money we don't have on things we don't need for a happiness that won't last. We spend money we don't have on things we don't need for a happiness that won't last. And all of us do it every single day. And the call of the gospel this morning is to hear that those counterfeit visions will ultimately lead you to death. And the good shepherd calls you to life. 
And some of you are here this morning and you're like, man, I, I have never heard Jesus talked about like that before. I didn't know that this way of Jesus was about today, that it was about this life and finding joy in my day-to-day rhythms. And what I want you to know is that he promises it for you and you can take it. All you have to do is ask and he'll give it to you because we are a people of joy. Don't you know that? And as we enter into this season of Thanksgiving, two weeks, two weeks now, I want you to do something every day. Every day for the next two weeks, it's a good primer to get you started for the rest of your life. I want you to ask this question. In this season of Thanksgiving, where do you find joy? Seriously, where do you find joy? And for some of us, listen, remember, Jesus says joy is twofold. It is found in our circumstances. So give thanks to God. If you are riding high on the mountain, if things are good, if your life is kosher and you are living the dream, guess what? Give thanks to God. Because you can find joy in the circumstances of your life. No doubt about it. That's not bad. But can you find joy in the valley of the shadow of death? And today Jesus says you can. And Jesus says that you should. So in this season of Thanksgiving, where do you find joy? And what I want to invite you to hear this morning is that what Paul says in Romans 8 is true. That not death Not hardship, not persecution, not famine, not war, not politics, not anything in all of creation can separate you from the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. So friends, claim your joy. Embrace this way of faith. And let's go out in the world and show a better way to follow Jesus. Claim your joy on this day. Let's take a few moments now and I want to invite you to pray with me. Let's pray. God, you invite us to joy. So many of us have settled for a counterfeit. So so many of us, God, have just kind of written off Christianity as a way that will matter when we die, but for today it has no relevance to our existence and God, help us to shatter that illusion today. Help us to see that it is through Jesus that we find abundant and good life. God, on this day, help us to hear that invitation. Help us to hear that we are invited to his way of life, the way that is joyful and good. God, for some of us who are here in the room right now, we are in a bad place. For some of us, God, we have walked through the worst moments and we're wondering where are we going to go next? And God, right now, I ask that you show up alongside us and you help us to know that we don't walk alone and that the pain is temporary, God, but the joy is everlasting. Help us to claim that joy in our lives this morning, God. We are grateful for all your many gifts, but most of all, we're grateful for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.